Today I have my family's favorite drinks. My wife loves to drink water, drinks it every day, and I love my Code Red and drink it almost every day. And it's an interesting thing with these bottles. You know, if you open the lid of each one of them, nothing too exciting happens out of the ordinary. But you create an outside external stimulus, a, a disruption, or as we're talking about in the series, a new normal, then it's interesting. You take the lids off these bottles now and the response is quite different. I love water. No matter how much you shake it, you open the lid, it's pretty much the same. <laughs> but code red, when it becomes in this new normal, you open the lid and the craziness begins. Now, don't miss this. We didn't add anything to either one of these bottles. What came flowing out of them was something that was already deep within inside of them. The only difference was, was how they responded to this external circumstances that are around them. Today, we're going to look at the life of, of Moses. And at the end of his life, it's a sad story, really, for anybody who's a leader or anybody who's an influencer. At the end of the day, some external circumstances continue to come his way. And when the, the lid of his life opens up at the very end, what pours out is not the humility and the fruit of the Spirit which Moses wanted his life to be characterized by. And the same is true for us. As our life gets shaken up in different ways and we open the lid of our lives, one or two things is going to come out. We're either going to get the, the fruit of the Spirit or the deeds of the flesh that are come pouring out. Nothing externally was added. It was what was inside that just came and became evident when the shaking came. You know, this last month in our country, and specifically these last couple of weeks, we've had a lot of shaking. And what has come out of the bottle has been... Boy, it's been some of the best and some of the worst of humanity. I mean, some of the worst things that we've seen have been inexcusable acts of racism that have led to murder, the destruction, the fear, the unbridled rage, the self-serving opportunistic things that are dividing our country. And some of the greatest and best things that we have seen that have come flowing out have been a new level of compassion and understanding, acts of bravery and protection and prayer in a new and a fresh way. And can I confess to you that, boy, you know, over this last week, I've had probably a little bit of both come spewing out of my bottle. I've had feelings of, of, of anger and despair that were probably at levels that weren't the most godly. And then I've had moments of compassion and where hope has come. And it's been in these moments and really these times, I'm just reminded this. I'm reminded how broken we are as a people. I'm reminded of the devastation of sin in the heart of man. Shouldn't surprise us, Jeremiah chapter 17 says this, for the heart of man is desperately wicked. Who can know it? A little later on in the New Testament, in the book of Romans, uh, the apostle Paul in Romans chapter one describes what a broken, sinful heart looks like. And as, as I was looking over that this week, listen, all the things that you and I are experiencing and seeing on the TV in front of us every night are things that are described right here in Romans chapter 1. Since they thought it was foolish to acknowledge God, he abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that should never be done. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malice, behavior, and gossip. They are backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, and boastful. This is crazy. They invent new ways of sinning and they disobey their parents. They refuse to understand. They break their promises. They're heartless and have no mercy. They know God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die, yet they do them anyways. And worse yet, they encourage others to do them also. See, at times, I think if we're not careful, we, we forget that we are born with, with a sin nature, that we live in a fallen and live in a broken world. 
We, we tend to think about the morality of man, that it's, it's, it's the evolution of morality, right? We started off in the pits, and every year and every decade and every generation is getting to be more godly. Listen, the Bible teaches the exact opposite is true. It's a de-evolution. We started up high, and now we have fallen low. We started walking with God in the garden, and now we're killing our brothers and sisters in our streets. The heart of man is desperately wicked. Because of the sin nature, can I just remind you, listen, the human condition is getting worse and not better. And apart from God, it will continue to spiral down. In fact, even in this passage that we've been looking at over these last couple weeks, I'm reminded of the condition we find the nation of Israel while they're living in Egypt. Think about this. They were children being killed by Pharaoh simply because of the color of their skin and their gender. They were being thrown into the Nile River. Slavery was rampant. The, the abuse of people was mainstay every day. There was the oppression of women. They, they worshiped pagan idols, and on and on they go. The depravity of man, the injustice of our world was everywhere, all the way back in the book of Exodus. So how do we fight the injustices of this world? Well, listen, this is so important. We've got to connect the cause with the condition of the human heart. And the human heart will only change through the power and the truth of the gospel that's going. That reconciliation is found in transformation. And it's the transformation of our hearts and the transformation of our lives. And so today, what I want to do during our time is I want to take this macro issue that's facing our world and really zoom it into a micro issue dealing with your heart and in my heart and how you and I can see change and make change. Because we're going to see today from the life of Moses that one man allowed this transformation to happen within his own heart, and the impact of his heart impacted a community around for the positive, and unfortunately, at the end of our story, even for the negative. So today, I want to take us to the end of the story of Moses, and then I want to backfill it up with all the things of the stories that led to that point. It's kind of my attempt at uh, the Last Dance documentary storytelling. We're starting from the end and moving to the beginning. So if you've got your Bibles, let's go to Numbers chapter 20. Again, if you're joining with us, you can turn on your phones, go to lexcity.info. All of the information, sermon notes are there that are happening. And in Numbers chapter 20, verse 1, it says this, In the first month of the year, the whole community of Israel arrived in the wilderness of Zin and camped at Kadesh. While they were there, Miriam died and was buried. And the Bible makes special note to note that it was Miriam who passed away. Now, Miriam's the oldest sister of both Aaron and Moses. And so, boy, her death is, is devastating. It's emotionally, the pain is deep, the loss is great. And I say that because it's a great reminder and leadership lesson for us as leaders and influencers. Listen, all leaders are vulnerable when they're walking through seasons of loss. That the line between anguish and anger is very thin. And at times when we're in and walking in that, this is times that we've got to guard our hearts. For all of us during, boy, this season in the life of our, of our country, when the outrage is so great and the hurt from what we're seeing is so great, listen, men and women, we've got to daily guard our hearts that we don't allow the anguish from what we see turn into anger that controls us. And that's what we see in the context. I'm reminded today that you and I were vulnerable. These are the moments to ask God to guard and to check our hearts. That's the context that we, we find Moses in in our story at this point. And Moses is experiencing something that, that every leader and every influencer can relate to. The number one thing that steals the joy of every leader and influencer is what? It, it's complaining. It's ongoing complaining. It, it steals the effectiveness, and boy, it steals the joy of leading. And this is the context that we find Moses there. In verse 2, he says this. 
People say there was no water for the people to drink at that place, so they rebelled against Moses and Aaron. The people blamed Moses and said, if only we had died in the Lord's presence with our brothers. Why have you brought us, this congregation of the Lord's people, into the wilderness to die, along with all of our livestock? Why did you make us leave Egypt and bring us here to this terrible place? This land has no grain, no figs, no grapes, no pomegranates, and no water to drink. Verse 6. And Moses and Aaron turned away from the people and went to the entrance of the tabernacle, where they fell face down on the ground. Then the glorious presence of the Lord appeared to them, and the Lord said to Moses, You and Aaron must take the staff and assemble the entire community. Now listen to this important instruction. As the people watch, speak to the rock over there, and it will pour out its water. You will provide enough water for the rock to satisfy the whole community and their livestock. So Moses did as he was told. He took the staff from the place where he had kept it before the Lord. Then he and Aaron summoned the people to come and gather at the rock. Now listen to this progression. Listen, you rebels, he shouted. We must bring you water from this rock. Then Moses raised his hand, struck the rock twice with the staff, and water gushed out. So the entire community and their livestock drank their fill. Can you see the progression in Moses' sin? It started with the frustration that over time leads to anger, and that's the sin that causes him not to lead the people into the promised land. Now, now don't miss this. God's judgment was not simply on Moses. It was also on Aaron. Look at the progression that we see. Go back to this verse. We'll see three things happen. They, they, first of all, is that they lose a love for the people that God called them to lead. Listen, you rebels. Then he says, must we? In other words, they, they bring themselves into a point of position of power and change. We are the ones that are going to bring water from the rock. And they did this dangerous thing. They moved the focus of their people from their God to their leaders. What makes this such a stern warning for us as leaders and influencers is think about just a little bit earlier in Numbers chapter 12. God refers to Moses as the humblest man who had ever led, who had ever lived. And now, with the frustrations, all the shakings and things going on in his life, over a period of time, what comes out is this deep-rooted pride, this sense of entitlement that ultimately cost Moses the opportunity to move into the promised land. Verse 12, But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not trust me enough to demonstrate my holiness to the people of Israel, you will not lead them into the land that I am giving them. So that's the end of the story. It's a sad story of one of the greatest leaders who ever lived. His legacy is that he wasn't able to complete it because of the sin of pride that came out of his heart. But I want to now say, what, what got him to that point? How did he go from the humblest of men to a man that was so angry and frustrated? So let's go back to the beginning of the story. It's where we really were last week. Remember, God was providing on a daily basis for the nation of Israel, both quail and both manna every morning, and yet the grumbling begins. And I want to go back and look at where the grumbling begins and pay special attention to see the progression and how the grumbling begins to spread. So let's go to Numbers chapter 11, verse 4, and it simply says this. It says, The foreign rabble who were traveling with the Israelites began to crave the good things of Egypt, and the result, and the people of Israel also began to complain. Now think about that. This frustration, the, 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 the complaining began, what? it began with an outside influence. The, the, these foreign rabbles, the folks that came along with the 2.4 million Hebrews who left Egypt, this is the group that came along and this is where the complaining begins. I've got many questions I want to ask God in heaven and one of them will be this. 
Why did you allow Moses to bring the rabble with him? What was the point? Is this the context of being unequally yoked and this is the problems that come? Was this part of just the test to see if the nation of Israel would grumble or turn to God? 2.4 million people. Why didn't somebody stand up and, and squelch the complaining that was happening? Or simply was the rabble the outside things that were shaking to see what's going to come out of the nation of Israel over a period of time? The challenge of, of outrage and grumbling and sin is what they're so contagious if they're left unchecked. And these emotions of grumbling and complaining, listen, they are the darkest parts of our hearts. They are the weakest part of our character. It takes no discipline, right? It, it takes no submission to the spirit to grumble and complain or to become outraged. It's the lowest bar of response to any situation. But if we allow the voice of the rabble to continue, then here's my fears, friends, that voice will ultimately become your voice over a period of time. Look at chapter uh, 11, verse four. Then the foreign rabble who were traveling with the Israelites began to crave the good things of Egypt. Now listen how their story becomes the story of the nation of Israel. And the people of Israel also began to complain. Oh, for some meat, they explained. We remember the fish we used to eat for free in Egypt. We had all the cucumbers and melons and leeks and onions and garlics we wanted, but now our appetites are gone. All we ever see is this manna. And in the beginning, here's what's so important. In the beginning, the complaining wasn't everybody. In the beginning, it simply was the rabble, but over a period of time, it changed. The, the perspective, the story of the rabble then became the story of the nation of Israel. And as I think about where we find ourselves as a country, that's a little bit of my fear for us today, that, that we allow the media to tell our story, that we allow them to tell us what we should think and how we should feel and how we should react to one another. See, regardless of, of, your, of your race, we've been given images, we've been given words that what are supposed to provoke in us an, a response, uh, provoke in us a, an anger or an outrage to the things around us. It tells us how we're supposed to feel, and this is what's even more dangerous. I think it tells us how we think other people are feeling towards us if we listen to the rabble. But listen, what I see on the news every day, it's, that's not my story. That's not the story I want told about my life. The story I see continues to lead me towards anger and division, but that's not what I'm experiencing in my life. I, I want my story to include things like humility and, and repentance, forgiveness and, and understanding. I, I want my story to include the commands of Jesus to, to love my neighbor as myself. And the challenge of that is that requires a relationship, right? That requires a friendship. That requires sitting and talking and listening and learning and appreciating and valuing the differences amongst us. When I listen to the voice of the rabble, it keeps telling me that, listen, that the anger between us will never go away, that there's no hope for the relationships that are broken within our city and within our community. But that's not my story. You, you see, I... I still, I drive Uber a couple nights a week. And listen, if you ever want to get to know your city and the people of your city, you just drive for one month. You'll see Lexington in a new, in a fresh way like never before. But I'm getting ready to drive the other day and I'm heading down towards the, uh, where all the protests are happening. And for the first time, the voice of the rabble begins to come in my head. What if these people hate me that I pick up? What if they don't like me? What if they think I'm part of the problem? What if the anger comes? And all of a sudden I had to stop and check myself and be reminded, listen, that's not my story. That's not what I am experiencing. So the door opens and you simply smile and you greet somebody by their name and treat them with respect. And 
The walls come down, and it's an amazing experience. And for all the introverts that I pick up who love the talk, it's just a matter of minutes. In the last month, we're going to talk about three things either. It's either going to be COVID-19, we're going to talk about race, or we're going to talk about the riots that are happening. And for the next eight minutes, we get to sit and have a conversation about the things that are happening. I had a gal last week when she got out, and she simply said, hey, thanks for just the thoughtful conversation that we had. You see, that's my story. That's what I'm seeing and I'm, I'm experiencing. Even with people that we may not agree with on all the issues, boy, there is a camaraderie. There is a respect that goes towards one another. But when I listen to the story of the rabble and they tell me, can I be honest, what it puts in my heart is a little bit of fear and distance. And so when I listen to those voices, what I find myself doing this, if I hear those voices, I find myself pulling away from people rather than leaning into people. In reality, in this time in our history, men and women, what we need is not listen to those external voices that say pull away. We need to listen to the voice of the Spirit within us that says these are the times to lean into those relationships. These are the times to lean into those friendships and establish new ones and strengthen old ones that you've had. That's my story. Can I encourage you today as you think about your story? Listen, tell your own story. Own your own story. Don't let the rabble define you and tell you how you should feel and how you should react. Let the Spirit of God speak in you. As your pastor, this is still the pressure I feel even today. There are all kinds of opinions about what I should do and shouldn't do or our church should do and shouldn't do, where we should be engaged and don't be engaged. Listen, people don't tell our story. Jesus is the one who's the author of our story. And Jesus calls us to a standard. Listen, that is life-changing in the context of relationships, especially racial relationships. Jesus calls us to a standard about how you and I need to act just as brothers and sisters, as members of the human race. He calls us to the greatest commandment. Matthew chapter 22 gives it to us where Jesus replied, says, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and I love this, with all of your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is equally important. It says that love your neighbor as yourself. And the entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. I love this. The entire law of the Old Testament, the Ten Commandments, it's all wrapped up in these two things. Love the Lord and love your neighbor as yourself. That we would love as Jesus loved. A love that doesn't see Jew or Gentile or black or white or man or woman. A love that simply sees the broken condition of a sinful heart who is in need of the power of the gospel to change and transform you. So in these days, can I challenge you to love as Jesus loved? That as the church, that we would unite in proclaiming that Jesus is the way maker, that he is the light in the darkness.
my God, that is who you are. make miracle work, promise keep, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. And even when I don't see it, you're working. And even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Thank you, Pastor Brian, and thank you, church, for tuning in to LexCity.tv today. If you need prayer or to get into a group or want to support LexCity Ministries through giving, head over to LexCity.info. We invite you right back here next week on LexCity.tv, or when you're ready to join us on campus on Thursdays at 7 p.m. or Sundays at 10 and 11.30 a.m. We'll be saving a clean seat just for you. Have a great week in the new normal.